When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. everyone. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today with me, I have Catalyst Jones. Catalyst Jones hosts the White Rabbit podcast and I actually found him through Janet from the, the Deplorable Nation podcast. Y'all should go check her out. She is the best. And I'm just really glad that we were able to make this work. I know we had to reschedule once, but now we have loads of time and I'm super excited. So thank you, Catalyst, for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, Ellie. I appreciate it. I'm kind of excited about this because you know that I get deep into conspiracies on my show. So this is a little uh, change of pace for me. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I love is I get to chat with people that I listen to about their conspiracy podcasts, but I get to hear it from a more personal point of view. Inevitably, you know, it ends up going back to, you know, what typically uh, what they podcast about. But that's also why I love bringing on people who aren't podcasters, because then I get to hear about their hobbies and things like that. And I don't know. It's just fun. It, it's different. Hey, podcasters have hobbies, too, other than podcasting. Come on now. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But you know what I mean? I got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they yeah. don't have a podcast, they're not typically out broadcasting it to the world. Yes. 100%. <laughs> so before we get started... uh. The only scripted question I promise I will ask you is please tell me two things you love about yourself. Well, I cheated and I Hillary Clinton this and had the answers given to me ahead of time or the uh, questions given to me ahead of time. <laughs> so Janet. I will say, I will say <laughs> that you would have stumped me right now if I would have came in blind, but I had some time to think about it. And uh, I would say that my creativity and my passion for things that um, I'm really into I like those. What are you creative with? Tell the audience. So basically, in both of these go hand in hand. I'm passionate about anything creative, whether it's drawing, uh, graphic design, making music, cooking. Um, I find art and creativity in everything that I do. And that's what even like crappy jobs when I was young, I would find a way to make it creative and fun. So like, yeah, as far as creativity goes, like that is intelligence having fun what was one memory that sticks out of like kind of a boring job that you made creative Ooh, okay so when i was in high school um so my parents didn't have a lot of money and from the time i was 14 they would always well they before that they would always tell me that i had um champagne taste on a beer diet or a beer budget yep yep right and so you know we didn't grow up very with a lot of money. And if you didn't have like Jordans or like the cool shit at my school, you were the kid that got picked on and made fun of. So by the time I was 14 years old, I was working legitimately and I got, you know, you can get like a, 
it's not like a voucher or whatever, but when you're young, you have to get like a permit to be, I think yeah. it's called a work permit actually. Yeah. And uh, so, but before even that, I would put up flyers and stuff to like rake leaves or shovel snow or whatever I could do so that I wasn't the kid getting made fun of at school and I was buying my own shit. So um, I, I've been working a lot, but when I was in high school, I was working a job for construction and I was just like a grunt doing like the dumb unfun stuff and i remember like digging um so that they can pour uh, the foundation and stuff and you have to dig like three feet down four three or four feet down and it's just it sucks and especially when you're hitting a lot of rock and stuff so i made it a point to where like in my mind and imagination lee imagining that i was i was in the gold rush and i was looking for gold and that i was going to get rich at any moment and that made it fun to me <laughs> I can, yeah like and that almost makes me wonder, so there's monotonous shit that we have to do as adults, washing dishes, doing laundry, cleaning the floors, like whatever, mowing the grass. Um, what if we all did that? What if we all, as adults, pretended we were kids and not only turned something monotonous and boring fun, but then also used our imagination, which I feel like as adults, most people don't do, including me. Oh, it's, it's hard sometimes, but once you find it, you know, like I'll get in the mood sometimes and I'll still use the vacuum as my dance partner. If I'm <laughs> there and I got my headphones on and I'm vacuuming, man, I'm dancing around with that thing. Like we're number one on, so you think you can dance, you know, that, uh, the scene from Mrs. Doubtfire comes into my mind when you say dancing with a vacuum. Oh, totally. That is totally me minus the dress. <laughs> And the fake makeup and all that. Well, it depends on what day you catch me. Because you know I am a closet homosexual meth addict. Yeah, I, I, I have heard that rumor. I, I have heard that rumor. So, anyways, I was just joking. I, I liked. I, I saw it in your face. You were like... I, I mean, how do you even respond to something like that? <laughs> you... D what is... The, this is a soundboard, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that fancy. But I like that you are. <laughs> <laughs> I I can do Zoom and... Minimal editing, thanks to uh, Joe from Legit Bat and Ghost from My Third Eye, and that's about all I do. <laughs> that's all you need to do. And there's people putting out podcasts from their phone, and and if it's good content, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I could probably learn more, but honestly, I'm more invested in learning Canva and like that side of it, and making posts and stories, and then trying to do a soundboard personally, but well, I like yeah. the people who do. I do. I do it all. So like the graphics and all the promotion, I do that all that myself, the videos that I do promoting the show. But um, the reason I have like the soundboard and all the bells and whistles is because I suck as a podcaster. So like, I have to have like a sidekick here to like pick up where I fall, you know? <laughs> I do. However, I don't allow self-deprecation on my show. So you do not suck. That is my way. Making fun of myself is my way of having fun. No, if no, I no. You can make fun of yourself, but there's no self-deprecation. I do this in whether you're on my podcast or in real life. It drives my husband nuts. He'll say something sometimes. And I'm like, I don't allow that. You need to change it. And he'll and I'm like, no, we don't do that. Um, so. I like that. I'll keep that in mind, but it's going to be hard because I do it quite a bit. You're learning and growing. I'm not as intense with the thought ninja as Brandon Thomas is. I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm not to that level of a of a thought ninja, but I'm a really big proponent of no self deprecation because 
those things that we say out loud are typically because other people have said them to us. And I don't want to keep perpetuating that cycle. That is very good. No, I love that. And that's very true. Um, but I'm like, I'm a Capricorn. So I'm like the worst critic of myself ever. Right. Everybody will be like, Oh, you're the best artist ever. Like your graphics are so good. And then when people ask me, I like charge them like the smallest tiny amount because I I'm like, how can I charge for this? This sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, Janet's been, yep. Janet complains about that. <laughs> but, um, what was I going to say? Dang it. I totally lost my train of thought right there. You have to know your worth. Well, oh, what I was going to say is, is shout out to Brandon Thomas, because I didn't know that uh, you knew about the Thought Ninja. But when you told me that we don't allow that right here in my head, I said, hey, Thought Ninja, you got to suit up. <laughs> yes. That's great. So, so he's here now. Nice. Brandon will be very, very happy about that. If y'all don't know, uh, Brandon Thomas from Expanding Reality has this idea of a thought ninja. Uh, I think he talks about it in the episode that I did with him, which is, I don't know, a few episodes ago now. The first one in 2023. So, or the last one in 2022. I don't remember. Y'all, it's been a... It's been a year and it's only January. So <laughs> you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it. I know it was funny. I just had a, a couple my, a couple of my last guests that I had on were kind of big names. At least to me, they were big names. And I was like, we've been bringing the fire off effing year. And then I was like, wait, it's only January. <laughs> you did that with Ron and Anonymous Sean. I was just listening to that episode. I haven't finished it yet, though. I did. Yeah, I did. I'm impressed. Listen, I do my homework. I don't just have people on and not listen to any shows. My goal is to listen to at least one before I ask them to be on my show and at least another one before they actually come on, depending upon how the timing works. Yes, I definitely do the same thing. I try to vet before I jump into something because I've had it backfire on me in the past. And I'm like yep. halfway through a show and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> yep. 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 It's uh. It's a learning process. It's definitely a learning, it's a learning process. process. And I get to use your word. The speed bumps along the way are quite fun, though. They are. <laughs> they are. Uh, some of them are fun. And you learn stuff you didn't even know you were going to learn. And that's part of the reason I love talking to people about their speed bumps is it's almost like a cheat code because I've gone through mine and you've gone through yours. So maybe by me listening to your story... I can overcome, like kind of fly over those speed bumps and I experience them. And same thing you with me. And so that's kind of what I want all my episodes to be is these little cheat codes for people. That's awesome. I I consider my show the same, except mine is cheat codes for people that are trying to find truth and through conspiracies because I've already done years and years and years of the research. So I'm like, yo, here's the answers, guys. I like I don't that. Give them all the answers. I give them I give them the cliff notes so that they want to go read the whole book. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to go uh research it yourself, especially on certain topics. Um but I mean there's so many different topics that sometimes I'm like, listen, I just want the Spark Notes version. And but then I also I personally won't debate or have an intense conversation if I don't know enough about the topic. And I'll tell you, I don't know enough about that. I'm not gonna have that conversation. Yeah, that's fair enough, because otherwise you're just going to back yourself into a corner without being able to have. That's like 
you know, going into a boxing match without having boxing gloves on, if you're, especially when it comes to these kind of topics, you have to have receipts because yeah. people don't want to hear hearsay. They want, they want facts. You have to be able to bring up documents or like, look, this person was here on this day, like type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So getting into some of your speed bumps, where do you want to start? I know I have a couple that I've heard you talk about in various shows, but you're in charge here. Where do you want to start? Well, I mean, speed bumps as far as my entire life or speed bumps within the past few years. You're in charge. Well, what do you think the audience would get the most value from is how well, I will word that. Let's start. Let's start way back. So um, I would say that my first speed bump or my first like moment that I can remember of being in awake, being awake is very little between second grade and kindergarten. I remember sitting in uh, the living room in the Bay Area and just I started bawling because I came to the realization that one day I was going to die. And with that, um, my mom introduced me to a, a way of not having to die, which was the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. And, so and, I know about this much about, so I'm super curious right now. Go. Okay. So um, my mom uh, had me when she was 16 years old. So she was super young and naive Um not very intelligent. She dropped out of high school, uh, which is now I think is a good thing because then you're learning what you need to learn and not what they want you to. True story. Um, so she, uh, had family members that were in, uh, in the cult and Jehovah's witnesses. And so it was easy for her to get sucked in. And so she would go in and out, uh, throughout her life. Um, throughout me growing up. And so I was indoctrinated with this at a very young age because I was so scared of dying. And I knew that this, it, it was weird because when I had that epiphany of that I'm going to die, I also had an epiphany of like being alive and my awareness of this, of this life and the awareness of things that didn't seem right. Even at that age, it was just like, things don't seem right. And mm -hmm. I think that's when I started to forget where I was before I came to this realm. And if I lose you, I'm sorry, but that's just how I think and how my mind works is I was here before I was, I've been here many times. This is, mm -hmm. I'm just here again. Um, but I, I, I feel like when we lose our imagination is when we, um, when we start to lose our imagination is because we start to forget where we just came from. And, uh, I think that when I was realizing that I'm going to die is when I real my mortality and everything is when, uh, something totally changed in me. And it's been that way ever since. And, um, so the Jehovah's witness thing is definitely a speed bump because, uh, it was, it was hypocrisy from my parents. So, um, my mom, uh, she was, she'll deny it to this day, but she was physically abusive. Um, and my first stepdad was an alcoholic cokehead who would beat the fuck out of her in front of me all the time. And, uh, he had a son who lived with us who was older. I mean, uh, one day my mom was leaving to go to the mall and, uh, I was crying cause I didn't want to be left alone with him because he gets physical and yeah. whatever. And so I'm like crying. And then my mom leaves and he was like, 
oh, you're going to make a big deal. And mom thinks that I, I'm going to kill you and blah, blah, blah. And he like grabbed me by the neck and was like holding me, choking me against the wall and shit. And his son like ran and kicked him in the balls and he like dropped me. And then I like ran to the neighbor's house and I stayed there till my mom got home and she ended up leaving him after that. Thank God. And then she gets together with another guy who did not want her to do the Jehovah's witness thing whatsoever. He was like, yo, that is dumb. Don't do that. This is you know and so like then i got like total opposite of yeah it it was like night and day it was like free for all go ahead and cuss uh you want to watch that r-rated movie yeah not a not a problem uh you know like uh i i started calling him dad i'm like dad mom threw away my snoop dog and dr dre uh cassette tape and he was like all right, well, just go ahead and, and dub another one. I'll talk to her or whatever. So like I would come home like multiple times from school and she would throw it away <laughs> and I would just like have my friends record me another one. And then, and then finally she was like, you're not going to stop. Are you? And and he like stepped in. He was like, look, he's a kid. He's going to listen to what the kids want to listen to, blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of cool. Like I was, I was given like a free freaking hall pass. I went from like total tied down to abusive to do whatever the fuck you want. And it was awesome. Okay. Wait couple questions. One, how old were you for the first stepdad, roughly? Uh, she left him when I was in fourth grade. Okay, so call it nine-ish. And then the second guy Weeks that you later. called dad. Okay, <laughs> but then he was around until you were roughly... Now. Now, okay, okay. And you made a comment that I really want you to expand upon. You said you were afraid of dying. And your mom told you there was a way not to die. Yeah, I know yeah. very, very little about Jehovah Witnesses. Can you elaborate what that means, please? Okay, yeah. So um, Jehovah and uh, so Jehovah is the English word for God, for yep. Yahweh. Um, promises his people everlasting life, meaning you will never die. Okay. And so after Armageddon and the Jehovah's Witness, um, cultish religion they believe that um after armageddon even if you do die before then that once when you do have judgment then you will come back to earth and then you will live on earth for eternity and and it will be a paradise once again so that's what they believe so And, and beings that i was always told uh from them from even my grandmother my mom that that in my lifetime, we will witness Armageddon. We will witness the end of the world. So like that was always embedded in my head ever since I, and I still believe that even though it might not be true, but I mean, holy crap, look at what's going on right now. Uh, Yeah. There's a, that's a whole nother side topic. So in very, very simple terms, all of that sounds very Christian. Yet you call them a cult. So what makes them different than like a non-denominational Christian or Catholic or Protestant or Lutheran or Episcopalian or Baptist? Like what's the biggest difference? Cause I honestly don't know. Uh, so if you, if you have Catholic uh, friends or family yep, um, and you're not, they yep. are not going to disfellow you and never talk to you. Okay. Or, uh, they do that in that religion. Like they will keep you around long enough trying to pull you in. And then, um, you know, they it, like they're not supposed to, but they do um, talk with people outside, um, you know, other than knocking on everybody's door and annoying the shit out of them, you know. But um, so and not only that, but it was funded by the Rockefellers. Um, 
So, I mean, like right out the gate, it's like, who's funding this? Oh, why are we a part of this? This is God's word. God's word is coming from the Rockefellers. No, bye. That's Um, fair. That's fair. Okay. So this guy, second stepdad came into your life. Basically kids will be kids. Uh, You know, he's going to listen to what he wants to. And yeah, so he was like the cool, he was like my best friend and mentor. Like, Mm -hmm. awesome. I still love who he was back then to this day i wish he would come back um then i graduate high school so um you know like i grew up like totally mixed right uh, mm-hmm. mixed emotions like god no god i have no fucking clue yep yep um and then something crazy happened where my uh his his dad died and he wanted answers and so my mom's like i have answers for you so fast forward he is now um he is now a elder in the congregation meaning he's one of the leaders and um it's just they're not the same people it's bad when covid hit um we got into it really bad i mean we've been off and on for years because i get mad at certain things and then i'll most of the time it's been when I'm drunk and then I'll just start talking shit to them. I'm like, yeah, whatever, go to your cult fucking worship meeting, you know, and shit like that. And my mom would be like, I remember one time she got really mad at me because (laughs) she was like talking about um, the burning bush um, story or whatever. She was talking about it to somebody else and I was laughing in the corner and she was like, what is so funny? And I was like, I've taken mushrooms too, mom. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean so i've never done any psychedelics but from the stories that i've heard from people i can see how that might be a thing oh yeah if you've taken mushrooms and then you hear that story you're like like it's you there's no that is what happened <laughs> but it, you know just stuff like i would just take jabs at them and, and stuff like that and then when covid came around you know like i i I was um, I was dabbling into some really fucked up shit, like up until about six months before COVID hit. I um, was rebelling against my parents still as an adult, which is really dumb. But I was like full blown uh, satanic on the on the um, visual outside. Right. Like it just is. I mean, as bad as I could get to piss them off and. <clears throat> Um, anyways, uh, had a, a run in with a demon in my room, pinning me down. And then I changed my ways. And, um, uh, so when COVID hit, I asked my mom's like, is this it? Is this like the first domino? Like it's Armageddon happening. Mm-hmm. Like how much time do I have to get right? And, uh, she was like, yeah, this is it, but you don't have much time, but you have time, you know? And then that was like the first week. And then my conspiracy uh, mind kicked in and I was like, nope, nope. I've been talking about, I've been talking about martial law and lockdowns and this is it. This is what I've been talking about. Like I'm right again, they're wrong. No, this is it. This is what it is. And then, so uh, fast forward vaccines came out. Um, I'm talking to my mom on the phone and uh, we had recently just, I mean, we had like a six month period where we weren't talking for whatever reason it was and then we just start talking again and um so she uh 
she tells me that she went to go see my sister and the kids. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I was like, I'm sure the kids were happy to see you, right? You know, like, and she was like, yeah, it was awesome. You know, well, as close as we could get, we stood on the driveway and waved to them because, uh, because they, they don't have their boosters yet. And I was like, they're not gonna. And I was like, what do you mean they don't? You do? And I was like, you're scared to fucking see your own kids? You you drive all the way out to their city and stand at the end of the driveway because you're scared of something that's not even real? I was like, you do not worship Jehovah. You worship the people on the fucking television. And like... What, it- what boggles my mind is the people who were spiritual or religious or both because i think you can be one or one or the other or both at the same time depending upon how you define those words and they a lot of you know trust in god you know the the i, I have no idea if it's true because i haven't counted but supposedly do not worry or fear not something along those lines is um written 365 times in the Bible. I don't know. I've never counted. It's just something I've heard. So, but this fear not, do not worry, trust God is a very common theme in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I didn't put two and two together. I was just thinking somebody else was saying trust something. I think it was called trust the plan anyways. Yeah. Not so much trust, but like trusting God, like this, it's common in the Bible. If you're that Deeply rooted in your faith. Why take something that is so new and people weren't dying like they were saying? What they were saying on the news wasn't my lived experience, wasn't anyone I know's lived experience of people dropping dead like flies, you know. Well, you know what really gets me, Ellie, is you're right. If they trusted in God, then they wouldn't trust in science, right? It, it's so that like the, the vaccine going blindly into it. And- so that, and and I, and I I try to be careful here because I I've said this before. I was the person that thought anti-vaxxers were crazy. I used to make vaccines. I was that horrible person, and I have apologized for it many many times. So I get in some aspects, that mindset. But to your point, it's either it's scientism with a dollar sign or it's religion. And when people started saying, hey, but these are potentially, if not made with at least researched with fetal cells, and I can't believe that Jehovah Witnesses are okay with abortion. They're not. Who told you that? No, that's that's my point. They're not. They're not okay with it. So why would they be okay with this? vaccine that's at least researched with these fetal cells so here's the hypocrisy and it pisses me off because i see where you're going with this and this is this is the thing so before they got turkey basted i sent them all the information that we had at the time okay yep Uh, we had robert malone out there talking about the mrna technology that literally changes your dna Then what you were just bringing up is the stem cells and the aborted fetal tissue that is proven, proven to be in these things. And even back then, I was able to prove it. And I told them about it. My mother almost died during a surgery because she had to write 
uh, sign her name to refuse before she went into surgery that if there was going to be anything going wrong, that she would refuse a blood transfusion because blood is sacred and you are not to manipulate it. Actually, so my husband knows a kid of that used to work for him that was Jehovah Witness and he was in a very bad car accident and he had he would have lived if he would have gotten this blood transfusion but because it's a it's against their religion which and i'm not here to debate if their religion is right or wrong my question becomes if this is what you say you believe what you say you believe and what you're doing are not the same thing and that's where i get confused yes and, and I it's get not an attack too. it's i i want legitimately i want someone to explain it to me well, it's, it's cognitive dissonance, one. It's ignorance, another, okay? And here's where the ignorance comes in because if I, pro- if I didn't say anything to that, my mom is – she's a normie. So she wouldn't have even known or thought to even look into that what they're being told is not true. But since I'm her son, her own flesh and blood, telling her these things, and it's going against her religion, and she went and, and does it anyway. Now, in the Bible – in the Bible she reads from, too, it says that ignorance is not an excuse. So even if she didn't know, like, and I told her, she refused to listen to me when I warned her. And we're still not talking to this day. And within three years, she's probably going to die. And I have no fucking sympathy. I have no sympathy for any family member that gets ill from this at all, because I tried so hard to warn them. So, so now I feel like George Carlin and I'm just like, if, if I hear that something happens to them, I'm just going to be like, good, fuck them. Okay. So part of me wants to agree with you and part of me does. And then part of me is going to offer a different perspective and you can tell me to fuck off. That's fine. But I don't know when they got these shots. Um, I have an aunt and uncle who got the shots when they were in, in towards the beginning. And um, I had shared what I knew, but they were still very, you know, uh, aunt blank is, I'm not going to say their names, but aunt so-and-so is, uh, has these pre-existing conditions and uncle so-and-so has these pre- pre-existing conditions and we're really concerned about them. And based on the data then, they thought they legitimately thought they were doing the right thing. Um, but they were not for the vaccine passports. They won't get their boosters and things like that since new data has come to light. So I have a question about Jehovah Witnesses. We're going to pretend COVID doesn't exist for a minute. Do Jehovah Witnesses, do they have any stance on any other vaccines? Um, well, I'm fully... Like I, I got all the recommended v- vaccinations. My brother and my sister did as well. Um, however, my they weren't fully in um, during that time. So I can't tell you yes or no. Okay. But I'm going to say that I don't think that they know any better. I think that they do what the doctors tell them is best for them. Absolutely. My okay. mom is one of those, like, if you don't feel good, if you're depressed or if sad about something, she's like, oh, go get pills. Like, no. Like that, that's her answer is, is pharmaceutical medication. So the reason I ask that is, like I said, we're going to pretend COVID doesn't exist for a second and just take that very hot button issue off the table for a second. Um, and we'll just leave vaccines because, you know, that's not hot button enough by itself. 
those va- regular quote unquote vaccines, the ones on the recommended schedule, are also made with and or contain, depending upon how they're all at least researched with, and some of them do contain aborted fetal cells. And when I learned that, that made me question, you know, because Catholicism, I was raised Catholic, uh, Catholicism is supposed to be against abortion. Most Christian religions are against abortion. How they procure these, um, this aborted field tissue is absolutely horrendous. And I'm not going to get into it because it, to your point earlier, you want the receipts for certain things. And I want to be able to show you dates and times. And I don't have that readily handy right now. But the point is, is if they're against abortion and life is sacred, how can you say you're still following God in your religion and do these? Because to your point, if ignorance isn't isn't an excuse, I, I I really struggle with this, and no one's been able to give me an answer. It's it, the answer is is strictly this: it is ignorance and it is cognitive dissonance, right? So out of out of sight, out of mind type of thing. Like you use a cell phone, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. um, you you don't like slavery, I'm sure either. However how is that lithium uh, obtained to be put into your cell phone? And that's fair. And that's fair. So um, yeah, it's an out of sight, out of mind thing. And, but uh, like it says, ignorance is not an excuse for a reason because all the answers are right there in the Bible. So like if you just have to be, I feel like they're willing to be deceived at a certain point, right? It's like, okay, we'll let this one go. We'll let this one go. And that cell phone analogy, I'm fucking guilty of it too, right? Okay, I'll let this one go. Like, oh, I really like those shoes. Like, were they made in a sweatshop? I don't know. I'll let this one go. And that's fair. And that and that's fair. So are we being hypocritical? Are we getting mad at these people who took this vaccine while we're, in some cases, doing the exact same thing, but in a different way? Yes, and fuck you for pointing that out to me. <laughs> Sorry, not to, like I'm in this group too. Like all the listeners who are probably listening on a smartphone are in that group too. Like y'all can get mad at me. Uh, I'm not like singling. No, you bring everyone. up a you bring up a really really valid point. It's like a, not singling everyone out and excluding myself. I'm in that group too. Like, but it's a legitimate question that I feel like people are afraid to ask. Like, and and then at that point, is it okay to have this? Rage for people who, for adults, I'm going to make this caveat here, who make this decision for themselves when we do the exact same thing, just in a different way. I totally see what you're saying. And I can't like really argue against it. Like I can't because you're right, but it just sucks. Like when your own flesh and blood is trying to tell you something that is your entire life, right? Like your entire life is this organization that you are a part of and serving what you believe to be as God. And I'm not going to take that from them. They truly think that they are doing the right thing in this cold. Like, so good for them, even though I've told them otherwise, but like, what, where is the line drawn in the sand though? Like if, if I tell you, right, like, you, you know, your phone is blah, blah, blah. You don't really see that firsthand. You don't know, but like, right here is a religious, a religious um, battle 
that you have to face with yourself is, is now do I completely go against the word of God, knowing that my son just told me that this is absolutely 100% against the word of God. I mean, I almost died in surgery because of this very thing. And now I'm just going to believe somebody on the wall coming through this black box over my own son that I've never even met, you know, but that become, so I'm sure. So the tea I'm drinking says it's organic. I have no proof that it's organic. I've never visited this tea farm. Um, like suppose I, I've closed it say made in the USA. I can't actually prove it. And so that's why I made the caveat about adults making choices. You start involving kids and that's a whole nother ball game that I'm not going to get into right now. But as adults, if we make choices and we choose to believe one thing over the other, can we really get mad at them? We can be frustrated, but is the rage justified? Because like, you know, Jen from Legit Bad has pointed this out of, you know, some people They'll see someone in their car driving alone with a mask on and they become irate. What do you care? You're in your car. Like, what do you care what they do? I think that rage just comes from, we love them. And I honestly think like, heaven forbid, when our parents do die, like, because everyone dies, surprise, like, I think you are going to be sad and you're not going to be like, I don't give a fuck. You're going to be sad. You're going to be sad. I guess we'll know when the time comes, but I mean, that's I such an estranged relationship with them. I love them so fucking much. Don't get me wrong. Like, I wish we had a good relationship. I really do. But they're, they're fucking NPCs, man. I just, they're. <laughs> my, so my mom is one in nine. So I have many aunts and uncles and many cousins. And there are some that I agree with you. They're NPCs. There is, there's no talking to them. There is no talking to them. Um, exactly. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like you choose um, you choose who you want to bring you into this world before you get here. And I chose her for a reason. And I would not be this weird, like, just crazy, creative conspiracy junkie that I am probably if I would have chose a different mom. So. Fair. Fair. So, you know. I do love her and it is going to suck when she goes, but I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to feel as bad as you think I will. Well, and is it of her own choosing? I would, I, I would agree with that statement. Like to your point, you tried to give information. The information was ignored at that point. She did what she wanted to do. And if, she, especially if she continues to do it. And this is the other thing that I don't get. If the amount of athletes are dropping, imagine the amount of regular people who don't have a famous name that are dropping. And you're still like, this has never happened before. Please show me a news article prior to 2021 where this happened. Yeah. It was, was adult sudden death syndrome ever a fucking term? (laughs) And spoiler alert for those who still think I'm, crazy and are not quite on this whole vaccine thing yet uh sudden adult death syndrome is the same thing as sudden infant death syndrome they're caused by the same thing vaccine injuries right yep yep you're not on youtube are you no 
I okay. would have been I would have been I, kicked I off by like, episode two. I, just, I, I was just thinking I probably should have asked before <laughs> she hit record because like I, there's no filter on this guy. No, I, so I don't have a filter <laughs> either. Um, I am on Spotify. I post through Anchor, uh, fully recognizing that I might get taken down at some point. I'll keep um, my fingers crossed for you. They don't like me over there at Anchor or Spotify. So I think because I hide the. Uh, crazy shit in the middle so if you just listen to the beginning and the end you don't hear the crazy <laughs> shit uh that's what my theory that i'm going with although some of my episodes do have covid19 banners so oh well at least you're smart enough to like bury it in there like all right you guys if you if you want to find it enjoy the episode <laughs> listen it, it, i did not ask you on to intentionally turn this into a covid vaccine it just it's where it went. It, I just, well, I let it, it flow. Because that's that's what happened. That's basically was the last straw between uh, me and my family. So like when that when that hit, it was a domino. So like I lost my stepdad, who I consider my dad. I have his last name, like Jones. That's his last name. Yeah. Um, my daughter has his last name. Uh, my sister followed suit. My brother followed suit. So it's like I lost my fucking family in one taking. They're all boosted, uh, having fun at their freaking cult meetings so uh that is is you were asking me like where do we start and now here we are over an hour and like i haven't even told you like i when and where it was i started like picking up drinking or my addiction or anything like that but um ultimately it was just the confusion of growing up uh so differently um and then being confused and always knowing that i'm here for something greater and then like uh the the alcohol came in as a numbing factor. Um, I, I did the whole, like when you're younger and you like, I'm, well, I don't say everybody, but a good amount of people will, uh, experiment with drugs and it was never my thing. So, um, you know, I had my rave days where ecstasy was amazing. I still smoke weed to this day. Um, but I didn't, I didn't start smoking weed or even drinking, um, until after I was 22 years old. And it was, if you really, really want to tie it down, it was because I wasn't ready to go into the world yet. And I left the nest <laughs> and that was my way of dealing with it. And so like I've battled with drinking. Um, well, here's the thing is it gets out of hand sometimes, but when I see it getting out of hand, I can always fucking stop it, which is, like in the moment or like long-term long-term. Okay. So like, I'll just, I'll wake up one day and be like, I'm done. I've had enough of that, you know? And then, um, and then I quit for like a good amount of time, whether it's six months, a year, uh, I've gone, well, I don't think I've ever gone two years, but, uh, I've gone like good portions of time. And then I'm like, okay, I, you know, I can drink and I will. And then something will happen in my life that is, to me, which is probably not in the long run devastating, but during that time it will be devastating. And then I'll find myself in a hole where I'm like drinking, passing the fuck out, waking up, drinking. Oh, I lost my job, drinking, passing the fuck out. Oh shit. They came and took my car, drinking, passing out. And then like, you know, that period will pass. And then I'm like, okay, I'm fucking starting over again. Okay. So legitimate question. And once again, you can completely tell me to fuck off. If you can get to that point where you're like, oh, hey, I've had enough. I probably shouldn't do this anymore. And I'm asking because I have relatives who are alcoholics. 
why can't you do that like after you've had your first drink? Like, why does it take that time? And I'm not trying to be an asshole. I genuinely don't understand. Fuck off. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> don't answer that. No, I can. And I can cut it off. Uh, so, like, I'm not one of those that uh, is the second that a beer touches my lips. I'm not like, we're going streaking. And I'm just <laughs> drinking from then on. Like, that, I, I can. I can when I, I I have the self-control to be able to drink one beer, I have the self-control to be able to drink two beers, but when something mentally flips in my head and then that bar, that guardrail goes down, I just keep going down the hill, like past that guardrail just to see how far I can get before I crash. And I don't know why. Okay. So like, okay. So I guess it's my question using your analogy is like, if you see the guardrail coming, like, why can't you like put out your feet or I don't know, throw a rope or uh, insert analogy here. Like that it was my question. Be, it, it will be the, the, it's always circumstantial. So it'll be like that moment in time because there's a hundred times where I see that guardrail coming and I'm like, Oh, cool it for a minute. And I do. Right. Okay. Like, okay. And then it'll just be something I'm going through in my life. And with this last time it was, uh, it was Justin from Cannabis and Combat had uh, been suicided and I didn't agree with the uh, story of how his death was. So I started looking into it and I was coming up on some things that weren't adding up to me and it was going to a really dark place. I saw the guardrail coming and I said, fuck it and hit the gas. Okay, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I just it was a legitimate question because I do have family members who, when they're sober, they're like, yep, I know that this is wrong. You know, like, I know that I'm an asshole, blah, 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 when I drink. And I'm like, okay, so you know this, like, then change. And they're like, yeah, that it doesn't work that way. And they could never articulate to me why. And I'm like. And I, well, I will say this too, because I do know that feeling. And if you're like completely help, helpless. So once you pass that guardrail, you're fucked, right? Like that's when it's to the point where like, I'm not going to, I'm going to die or I need to call somebody and be like, yo, I'm past the point of no return by myself. And uh, it's those first three now with every drug, it's different. Right. But with alcohol, the first three days is fucking murder on yourself. And you don't know if you're going to die because it literally feels like you are and you can people have. And, um, and then I would say about two weeks after that, then you're like, uh, your cravings pretty much start to dissipate. Um, you can, you can drive by a liquor store without getting a fucked up feeling in your stomach, you know, mm -hmm. but it's that coming off. It's, it's when you have passed the point of no return, it's trying to pull you back. That is when it is difficult. And even for myself, when I'm there. So this past time, I, I ended up waking up. And uh, I'm as soon as I woke up, I'm like already shaking. So I reached down at the bottom of my bed. I had a big ass bottle of vodka. And I go to grab it and it was empty. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I looked at what time it was. It was the morning. I actually woke up in the morning for once. And... So I'm like, all right, I have two options here. I can go get another bottle or I can say, fuck it. Now I have to go through the worst fucking three days and, you know, ever. And 
So I picked up the phone and I called a buddy of mine who is deeply in NA and um, has been clean for over five years. And I told him, I said, hey, bro, um, I was just about to uh, leave the house and go to the liquor store to buy a bottle of vodka. And I really don't want to do that. And so I called you instead. And that's where that took me. And so and I've been sober since then. So have you ever gone to AANA, any of those types of things? Yeah. So, um, in the past I've went to AA, um, strictly because I've had DUIs and, um, I had to go, I was Mm -hmm. forced to, while I was sitting through those meetings, I was just like, Oh my God, I can't wait to get out of here and go sit in front of the TV with a fucking beer. Like I did not give a fuck about those meetings. Um, if anything, they made me want to drink because it's just people sitting around talking about their fucking drinking stories, you know, and some of them are, it's like listening to rap. It's like, like rap back in the nineties where it's like, these people are talking about the most fucked up shit, but it's fun. And you're like, Oh man, I want to fucking be in a gang. Like, this is awesome. You know, like, so they're like glorifying drinking and you're just sitting there like, hell yeah, man, I'm going to go to the bar and bang two hoes in the bathroom and, you know, like throw up on myself and (laughs) sounds amazing. (laughs) Um, so when I decided I wasn't going to drink anymore, um, I was living with at the time in California, um, a friend from one of my best friends since fourth grade and her sister and her sister's boyfriend live at that house. And he, he goes to NA, he's been clean for a while, whatever. And he would always be like, yo, come to meeting with me, you know? And I'd be like, yeah, whatever. No, I'm good. You know? And I had quit, uh, quit drinking. I was on like day two or three or something. And I was out in the backyard, um, smoking some weed and he walked by to throw the garbage away. And as he was walking back and he was like, still no drinking. I was like, yep. Day two or three, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He was like, you need to quit that shit too. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, no, how about no, um, but you know, and he, he held his ground for a second and he was like, will you at least come to an NA meeting with me? And I was like, yeah, bro, I'll go to an NA meeting with you. I don't give a fuck, you know? And, and he was like, but make me, he was like, you're not going to quit smoking weed. And I was like, no. And he was like, I was like, weed is actually going to help me to not drink. I was like, if I don't have anything at all, then I'm fucking, I'm going to be like, all right, well, the liquor store is right there. And I, and you know, and I was like, if anything, it helps me. And he was like, well, just make me a promise that if, if uh, smoking weed, you decide to, um, or if smoking weed leads to drinking again, then promise me you'll quit both. And I was like, all right, cool. You got my word. Anyways, I agreed to go to an NA meeting with him. I went and the first one I went to was this guy. And when I first seen him in there, I was like, dude, this guy is straight fucking punk rocker from the nineties. Like he, that he still had the look like he should be the front man for fucking open the opening band of the Ramones, you know, like just totally cool, like no effects type guy. And he gets up there and he tells his story. He was the speaker that day and he brought his daughter and his daughter was like 12 years old. And he was just talking about his experience. So he was a meth addict. So it was like, you know, like I'm hearing this story and I'm just like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not like, you know, blowing guys behind the fucking dumpster to get my next fix type thing. But it's, there's a lot of similarities in the, in whatever addiction there is. And I could relate to a lot of things in his story. And I ended up crying like a little, like just five-year-old that couldn't get a donut. And I was bawling and like, I'm sitting there in the front and I'm just like, 
keep wiping my eyes and stuff. And then um, I didn't know his daughter was sitting there listening to this. And he was talking about all the times that he neglected her and how upset he is at himself about it and everything. And it made me think of like the times that I could have actually been hanging out with my daughter or even just like, you know, uh, talking on the phone with her rather than like being out and doing the things that I was doing. And it really hit me. And then when he finished, he walks over and, <laughs> and his daughter is bawling and he like runs over and gives her like the biggest hug. And it just moved me so much. And I was like, yep, I'm going to fucking come here, man. And I ended up asking that guy, I was like, will you be my sponsor? And he was like, absolutely. But you have to quit smoking weed. And I was like, ah, so I ultimately left NA because I can't stop smoking weed. I went to NA for a hundred days and then I got my little coin mm-hmm. to say that I did it. And I was like, I'm smoking weed. I'm, d- I'm done. But, um, but yeah, it's a, uh, and, and the reason why I left too is because when I, um, took on a sponsor, he made, he made me read the first 24 pages every single day for three months. Um, and of what? Of the NA handbook. Okay. And in those first 24 pages, it says our occultic symbolism and, uh, stuff like that. And it was, it's a, their symbol is a freaking triangle. It's an occult. And right then I was just like, you know what? Well, I'm getting some good things out of this, so I'm going to keep doing it. But, you know, because of my Jehovah's Witness background, like, and my conspiracy junkiness, like anything that screams cult or occult at all, I'm middle fingers up and running. So I actually had a guy on, on a few episodes ago now, his name is Rob. And he was talking about how he used to drink and how he feels that AA uh, just basically becomes the new alcohol. It becomes the new crutch or the new addiction. And kind of to your point, it was like, yeah, it can have some merits, but the people who go there for years and years and years, it's just, it's their new addiction. They have to go to a meeting. They have to, they have to, they have to. He's like, and that's not healthy either. And I was like, that's fair. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. There was people there that have been going 25 years, you know, and they would stand up and like, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm an addict. I'm like, no, you're not. You beat that shit. You beat that shit. Well, and, they're still an addict for the group. Right. In my opinion, like not saying it's all group. bad. And I, and I 100% agree with that because at that point you're still letting it control your life. You're letting it control your life because you are so focused on not letting it control your life that it is controlling your life. And it was funny. I don't remember. Might have been Whiskey Beer and Conspiracies had me on. I think it was them. And they asked, they're like, uh, or maybe it was Brandon Thomas. I don't know. Somebody asked me, how long has it been uh, since I've been drinking? And I said, I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not counting. Like, because then it's controlling my life. If I'm like, it's been 300 and blah, blah, blah since, since I've had a drink mm-hmm. and it's fucking running my life. And that was another thing That's I didn't true. talk about in a is they were like, download the day app. And I'm like, what's the day app? And it tells you how many days you've been sober and it has a daily message and blah, blah, blah. And you have to call 10 people every day and like that you don't even know just people that you fucking have numbers of on this piece of paper that also go to NA and just be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. How are you doing? And I'm not fake like that. I don't want to have a converse. I'm very introverted. Like even around people that I fucking love to death i'm introverted and and 
you know, so I get my talking out when I do my podcast and then I'm quiet the rest of the fucking day, <laughs> you know, like, um, so for me, calling a bunch of people is very uncomfortable and I, the whole thing about it, I was just done with it. You know, I didn't, I don't like, I don't, I just fucking got off of probation and now I have to call a sponsor and check in every day. No, fuck you. I'm an adult. Like, I don't want to check in with anybody. I'm checking in with myself and I'm doing okay. And that's fair. That's fair. I have another question. And once again, you can tell me to fuck off. If you quit alcohol and weed for a hundred days, why not stick with it? Um, very good question. Um, I don't know if I have an answer for that, okay. but, um, being who I am, like, uh, even doctors don't know this, but the biggest, um, one of the biggest systems in your body is a cannabinoid receptor system. And the benefits of any type of cannabis is high on your body. It's so good for your body. You actually need some of it. And, um, you know, and being an NA, I couldn't even freaking take CBD drops And there's, it's, there's nothing that's high about it at all. Oh, and I had a toothache one time and I called my sponsor and I was like, Hey, can I take a muscle relaxer? And he was like, only if it's prescribed by a doctor. And I'm like, fuck that dude. I'm not going to pay somebody to tell me that I need this. I need this. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll bite. And that's where I feel like for some people that strict set of yes and no's is what they need okay of yes this is okay this is not okay and you know and that's how they get quote unquote on the right path right but also i feel like as an adult it's probably why a lot of people break probation is because you don't like being told what no one likes being told what to do whether you're two or 222 right like you don't like being told what to do and so for most people, I'm going to guess that that's why these things don't work. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, some, for a lot of people, it does work. And like you said, some people need that accountability and they need somebody to answer to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but they say in the NA meetings that it is 100%. It works 100% of the time if you stick with it. So um. It could be true. I don't know. That doesn't sound legit to me. That doesn't sound legit. But I mean, stick with it until you relapse. I feel like they're just forgetting that last little part. Right. Because it's almost inevitable that people that go to that end up leaving for a little while and coming back or never coming back. But um, I just I'm. I've always been different. Right. So like at jobs, at school, everything is like, why do we do it that way? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's always been how I am. So if the, if somebody's telling me like, this is the only way that you'll ever be sober for the rest of your life. Well, fuck, dude, I don't think I want to be sober for the rest of my life. Like, that's, like what the fuck? <laughs> like, how about I just say I'm taking a break and in that way, it's not a fucking permanent thing. I've never been a permanent thing. I think that when I got married, that's when my relationship went to shit. <laughs> like once you make something permanent in my mind, it's wait, this is forever. No, wait, wait, I have to rebel. I mean, and that's a personality thing too, right? Like, one of the reasons I love talking with people is I don't think there's a right or wrong way in most cases, or in some cases, there's right and wrong ways to do things. Um, But in most cases, as an adult, there's not, like, you do you. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, you do you. Yes. Yes. But when you, okay, here, 
I got an answer for your question. Finally, do Which we one? have, <laughs> uh, you'll know, okay. do we, do we have the right to get mad at these people that are wearing masks in their cars and that are out there going and jabbing people? Okay. Yes. Why? Because they're hurting people. How? Because by playing along and keeping this charade going is making all of this last a lot longer. People are killing themselves. People are losing jobs. People are becoming homeless all because they are playing along. So if everybody wait, wait. just stopped playing along, then they wouldn't be able to manipulate and do any of this to us. So yes, but no, because each of us have the ability not to play along. So a company can choose not to play along. A company can choose not to enforce mandates. They can choose or not choose to enforce masks. So you're right, but it's putting the entire thing on one group of people. And the group and the people that are still wearing masks right now and they're on their fifth and sixth boosters. I think I just saw today the FDA is going to recommend an annual COVID shot. Like you're never going to burst their bubble of belief. Right. You're no, never I mean, you're never going to yeah. do it. So if that's what they are choosing to do to as adults to themselves, I don't agree but that's on them. And we, because we choose not to do those things. I'm just saying that it does affect us, whether it's on them or not, it still affects us. It's it, still. it does and it doesn't because, okay, let's say they make it so you have to go in grocery stores again. So then we have to barter or we have to, you know, do co-ops or we have to do these other things, right? So yes, it affects us. But what if we choose to make something good out of it? Like, I don't want, I won't eat 90% of the shit in a grocery store anyway. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> like, okay, fine. I can't go to a grocery store. Like, I'll, I'll go to a farm. It's like, so yes, but like, when we get so, have you ever had someone really mad at you? No, never. <laughs> And you just, you're like, I don't give a fuck. And you completely ignore them. They tend to go away because you're not feeding it. Yes. You're not giving them the attention. So by us constantly saying you're an idiot and you're doing this and you're masking your car and you're ruining this for everyone and how dare you. If I just go, I don't give a fuck what you do. I'm going to do me. You're taking all of that back and all that power and just going oh yeah well yeah this sucks so i'll just go find a different way if i can't do that no i 100 percent agree with you and uh i'm not one of those people that gets pissed off at those people in masks anymore i actually laugh to myself i make it a joke and it's it's something very funny to me um but with what you're saying is if you don't give anything your attention is something it was funny because i was just on a friend show last night and i we were talking about manifestation and i was talking about whatever you put your energy into is the energy that you're going to get back out of it so if you, you right like what you just said if you don't give it any of your energy it's not going to give you any energy back it's, it's that beautiful. It is that beautiful of a thing. And that's when Brandon Stott Ninja really comes into balance because it, it, it creates this awareness to where you realize when you're having those thoughts, because how many times have you been like, it, 
it happens to all of us where we'll just start obsessing over something and maybe like 20 minutes into it, we didn't even realize like how we got there or why we're even stressing over something and played out this whole scenario in our head that hasn't even happened. And then sometimes you make that happen by obsessing and thinking about yeah. it when yeah. it wouldn't have happened in the first place. Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure it's a Southern saying, but wearing like a rocking chair, I'll give you something to do and get you nowhere fast. Like, and it's so true, but it's one of those things that you hear and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I thought that was you, Van Wilder that said that. I don't know, maybe. No, I've never heard it other, because I've quoted it. I've quoted it in shows and I've said, the great Van Wilder always said, stress is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's the only place I've ever heard it. However, in my defense, I'm from California. So like, I didn't. <laughs> I just know some... uh my dad has family like in Alabama and stuff, and some of them would say it. So, like, I have this weird mix of Midwest plus a little bit of Southern, like, mixed in my colloquial my colloquialisms, and sometimes my accent, depending upon who I'm talking to. So, it's fun. I, I don't know where it comes from, <laughs> but I remember hearing it as a kid and going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and even up until recently, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I loved playing the what if game. That's what I call it. What if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? And playing out these elaborate scenarios, thinking that if I just played the what if game enough, I'd be prepared. I, I could think of everything. I can't. Um, and it was like, it rings like a rocking chair. It totally gave me something to do. But to your point, all it did was stress me the fuck out. Yes. And for no reason. Yeah. Creating these scenarios that don't even exist. Only way that the only place they exist is in your mind. And then yeah. you find yourself like getting mad at people for things that have never yes. happened. You're just like, mm, like, you know, like it, but they didn't even fucking do anything. It's just some yeah. bullshit that you made up in your head. It's, yep. <laughs> I'm still guilty of it, you know, because oh, yeah. those people that like I've always been the one that thinks of the worst case scenario in every situation, it, no matter what, like, what is the worst thing that can happen? And like Brandon Thomas is one of those people who he's like, what is the best thing that can happen? <laughs> I'm really trying to adopt that. It's not easy, but um, it's, it's been something that I've battled with my entire life is worrying about the worst case scenario and actually making it happen. Yeah. I mean, especially when my PTSD was at its height, like I played the what if game, full fucking force uh and it was bad i've gotten a lot better at it of not playing the what if game and trying to look at the silver lining or if i start to get stressed start listening random things i'm thankful for and usually they start off really stupid but then they become more elaborate and true and like you know i'm thankful my sweatshirt's soft right now or some bullshit <laughs> you know i didn't have to wash my hair today because i can wash it tomorrow like some bullshit thing and then they my brain actually engages but Listen, I, Brandon, I love you to death, but sometimes when you're in that moment of you're so frustrated and you can't see the silver lining and he's talking to you on the phone and going, yeah, but what about this? And you're like, motherfucker, no, you don't understand. And you just want to punch him in the face. Yeah, love you. Uh, he's much better at it than me. But also we're human. Right. We're human. And even if we just did it 10%, you know, happy you know, on the positive side than we did before. And then 15 and then 20, it's a learning process. Definitely a learning process. And and just becoming aware of it is yep. like the biggest thing is becoming aware of it. And once you become aware of it, like once you realize there's a problem, okay, now you can do something about it. Exactly. And well, and you can choose to, or you can choose to ignore it. 
exactly. It, Both are a choice that you make. That as well, you know. And um, can I ask you a question, or is that sure. allowed? No, sure. you can. Yeah. So with um with your PTSD, and you don't have to get into this, but I'm curious is if you if it's becoming better because of awareness. If are you aware of certain triggers, and so you stay away from them, or are you just have you been able to process and and let shit go? So a big part of it was EMDR. I still say that EMDR saved my life um, because I mainly had PTSD from being hit by a car as a pedestrian and being raped. So that was reprocessing a lot of it, but then also understanding a lot of my triggers. And a lot of these triggers... So one thing is for me is like ambulance sirens or police sirens. I'm You're never going to make those go away. And so for a while, I would hear those and I would freak out if I was in a passenger seat, you know, um, I'd put my hands over my ears or I'd start going la, 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 um, just to try and drown it out. Now it's uncomfortable. Now what I've noticed is in the past, uh, 22 days, 21 days, my life has been uber stressful for reasons I can't say right now. And my PTSD triggers that had been under control for years went through the roof went through the roof and like it it was bad it was really bad and i was like i i know how to grounding techniques aren't working and this isn't working and i know what it is and i could not get under control and so i went and i got another counselor because i was like i can't do this by myself yeah i'm just curious because uh my sister she's had quite a traumatic life and um i used to get so mad at her and blame her for a lot of problems because she suffers PTSD really bad. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized, uh, or not even an adult, like recently, I would say within the last three years that Mm -hmm. I've realized that it's not her fault and that uh, she doesn't have any control over it. So when I hear that people are like able to get it under wraps or in like control it, it, I'm like, how? Because, well, not that she talks to me anyway, but I would still love to be able to help her. EMDR. I don't what know what it, that is. I forget what it I forget what it stands for, but basically it takes this traumatic memory that you couldn't feel the emotion and understand in that moment and reprocesses it. So you don't ever forget the memory. I'll never forget being hit by a car or anything like that. But I can talk about it now to you. I can describe me laying in the street. I can describe to you how my hip and my broken pelvis felt like without bawling my eyes out. I can cross a parking lot without having a panic attack. Um, But it took years. For some people, you know, EMDR is super effective and it works in short order. For other people, um, it takes a lot longer. And especially as you get older, whether they call their little T's for little traumas or big T's for big traumas, they layer on top of each other. And so you have all these layers that you don't realize. And maybe you're like, yeah, that wasn't such a big deal. Um, But really it was you just suppressed it. So I swear by EMDR, uh, it literally saved my life. I would not be alive talking to you without it. And it's not a medication. Um, it's nothing like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a jerk because I recommended MDMA to her one time because I had heard about all these people that were never able to let go of loved ones that are close people and stuff like that. And then they would take, not like go to a freaking rave and take ecstasy, right? Like mm-hmm. they would actually do an MDMA, like it was measured out and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
type of thing type of thing and i and i um you know i told her she should try that or whatever and then she she ended up becoming like a partier and shit and i like so she used it as a way as a way to escape but just like na or aa or any of these other things when you go to counseling you have to want to do it and you have to recognize that you're going to have to get vulnerable and it's going to feel uber fucking uncomfortable and you're not going to want to do it and you're not going to want to go back um well, she's you, like me too. She's like, I don't need the controlled environment. Like I can do it. And then, and you know, so she just got street shit, hung out with friends and it was a party. It wasn't fucking the spiritual, like uh, self-aware release that she was supposed to have. I've heard of people attempting to do EMDR by themselves. And technically you can, I do not recommend it. Especially if you've had a lot of big traumas or even one big trauma. Um, don't recommend it for me. I can only, I can't talk about anybody else for me when I would experience it. Um, maybe the sessions were only a half an hour and I felt so drained for the rest of the day. I was completely out of commission. I didn't clean my house. I didn't that day. I didn't run errands. I basically went home and vegged on the couch because my mind and my body were reprocessing all of these things that I had decided I was going to shove down and ignore. And it is not for the faint of heart. Like I'm not trying to scare people, but at the same time, I had no idea what I was getting into. And for some people, they don't have that experience. It's because everyone is so different. But for me, I stopped doing EMDR. Let's see, I was hit May 6, 2014, and I probably stopped beginning of 2018. I did it for a good solid four years. And then just full disclosure, it got to a point that I was like, yeah, there's these couple little parts of me being hit that I are really traumatic and I don't want to work through. So I stopped. It was enough that I could function. And so I stopped um, realizing that was a very poor life choice. Uh, and now I'm back in counseling and I f- flat out told my counselor the first day, uh, we're going to have to go back to this and I'm not going to want to, and you're going to have to strongly suggest that we do this because I don't want to do it, but I know I have to. And that's my personality and that's me. Well, that's awesome that you went in there knowing you, it was like the one side of you that knows that you're not going to do that was probably like in the back, like, stop saying this. Don't say this out loud. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I had even told my other counselor about it and she wasn't pushy enough and I'd be like, no, I'm fine. And she would just go, okay. Oh. And, it, and you, when knew, it co- you needed that drill sergeant. A little bit, yeah. Like, I know. And in that case, I did. So. Well, is, uh, um, <clears throat> is this something that norm- normal, like everyday people that have never had something to where they consider it a PTSD uh thing because i feel like everybody has shit that they bottle up and tuck away and they don't face and that yeah drains you whether you even realize it or not so whether or not you label it ptsd you don't need emdr to do p you don't need to have ptsd to do emdr you could just be human and have to to your point like maybe you did something you don't really want to talk about or you suppressed or maybe you just had a shitty childhood that you can't really remember or don't want to remember um, and now it's affecting you today. You just don't realize that. 
So that's a majority of people agreed. And so what I like about EMDR is it's not, let's go sit on the couch and I want you to tell me all the things that happened to you. That's not what happens. It's basically you either have a, um, I think they're called metronomes. You know that little ball, like for a piano that goes click, 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 that swings back and forth. Okay. That is what it's called. Yeah. Okay. So there's either a light that does it or uh, you have like these little buttons or whatever in your hands that buzz back and forth or they use audio like headphones. So one ear and then the next. And it, from my understanding, it basically connects the two hemispheres of your brain, kind of like binaural beats. And they say, okay, think of a memory, a small portion of it on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most distressing thing. How, how upsetting is this to you? You say the number you beyond that, like you don't have to say what it is. And then they go, okay, um, either watch the light or the tappers or whatever, and think about it as you are third person or on a moving train. Like you're not physically there for 30 seconds as you're like watching this light go back and forth. And then after about 30 seconds, they go, okay, now how distressing is that same memory? And it goes down. Don't ask me how it works. I haven't dug into it. I would have to say my things out loud. I couldn't just be quiet. Um, But you don't have to talk. So the people that are like, I I can't talk about this. You don't have to. You don't have to re. You don't have to talk about it. And that was for me, the beautiful thing and the great thing, because for the longest time, I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't put into words. I didn't know how. So you're not talking about it, but yet still it's the topic of conversation and what you're working through. I I get it. I get it. Right. Cause it's, they're telling you think about it. So that's what's on your mind in the front. And they're just working through the things without actually knowing the details of what it is that you're thinking about. Yeah. Okay. So well, I was hit by a car. So Obviously, there's multiple pieces to that. Me laying in the street, the ambulance coming, the guy trying to pick me up, loading into me the ambulance, cutting off my clothes, the thing in the trauma bay. Can you tell the part where I get stuck and I don't want to talk about it in the MDR? Because I just yeah, call it the trauma either. bay. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, when my parents come and after being in the hospital and then living in their parents or in my parents' dining room for 10 weeks, like, so it's not think of the car accident. It goes, okay, think of you laying in the street out of that whole sequence. Think of you laying in the street. How distressing is that? And then you, whatever you need to remember that, that's all you do. I don't have to say, okay, so I was laying on my back and my backpack was behind me and my head was like this and my leg was like, I don't have to do that. It was just me laying in the street. Gotcha. So you, like you have to do it a little bit, but it's not the detail. And the detail is where people can have a lot of trouble. Interesting. This is something I'm interested for myself. (laughs) Yeah. If you just look up, um, the way I find counselors is honestly like psychology today. And then through their filters, like you can click E M D R counseling or EMDR. And that's how I find people. And then there's obviously all their filters like insurance. And if you want a male or female and all this other shit, I'll have to ask you to text that to me. I can't. I will. Yeah. I'll text it to you. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I, like I said, it, it is what saved my life. 
not the pills, not it, that is what saved my life. Well, that's awesome. I'm grateful for that because now we're having a <laughs> podcast. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, anyone who's ever like, oh, you know, talk therapy didn't work or this didn't work. I was like, try EMDR. You haven't really tried much other than I haven't tried much. I honestly want to, wanted to start getting into psychedelics and I wanted to start going to Amanda Ray's like online mm-hmm. therapy classes and I haven't started yet, but um, yeah, now I live in a state where it's really hard to get psychedelics. Like it's, you can't even yeah. get weed here, which blew my mind. But anyways, that's another story. <laughs> my only advice is if you do decide to do AMDR, I would personally suggest going in person. You can do it over Zoom or video. It is not the same. I highly, highly suggest going in person. That's my one caveat to the whole EMDR thing. Yeah, I definitely want to look into it. I don't think it's something that I'll be able to do in the very near future, but it's definitely going to be put in the book of things to do in the future. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your speed bumps. Where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast? Um, I'm not very famous. So you have a good chance of finding me in the grocery store bagging your groceries. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, you can find my show on Rockfin, Apple and iHeart. And I am also very heavily on Instagram. I have content on there. I like to consider that it's also part of my show that you can't listen to. It's strictly for Instagram and I work hard on that. So I encourage people to go check that out. And your podcast is the White Rabbit Podcast, correct? Correct. Correct. And all of this will be linked in the show notes, guys. And y'all should go check them out. And I just want to thank everyone for listening. And I hope y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
everyone. I wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of Speed Bumps. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate if you clicked that five-star button. And if you're on Apple, you can click the five-star button and leave a written review if you're so inclined. If you're interested in coming on my show, you can reach out to me at speed.bumps.com podcast on Instagram.